This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Denise Crosby. I played Tasha Yar on Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome to another Cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Joe Keegan, and as usual, join with me today is the redoubtably enigmatic Justin Ozer, and the so amazing her existence defies the laws of physics, Amy Nelson. How are you both today? I'm doing great. I'm really impressed, uh, Joe. You always worry about hosting, but you came up with a really great way to describe us, I think. That's awesome. So, you know, I've said it every week for the last few weeks, but by the time this one comes out, the first episode of Picard will be out, which is so incredibly exciting. So we haven't seen it ourselves, but there have been a couple premieres in LA and London and just so hyped about it. So yeah, that's there are what's people on my in the world that have seen the first three episodes. First three episodes, I know, episodes, and I yeah. know a lot of them, and they're <laughs> like, you're going to love it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, don't even tell me anything. Yep, I've had to stay too. off social media because they're like, this is a spoiler free, but still even just them... Talking about it, I feel like I I I oh. like I like hearing that. I like hearing some of the details as long as it's not a big spoiler because it kind of yeah. gets me more excited. So I'm very excited from things that I've heard from people. People I don't know any spoilers, but some of the people that have seen it have been like, "You're gonna love it. It's really great." So yeah. I've just been encouraged by that. Yeah. Have you seen the apparently what is the opening? No, nope, I've stayed away. They put it. Yeah, I'll just okay, say I think I, I don't know if it's the opening scene, but I did see that the the one minute clip that I will not talk Thank about you. because Amy doesn't want to hear about it. But it's super cool. <laughs> that's okay. all I'll say. Yeah, because they showed it randomly. Or we've got this kind of chat show called the Graham Norton Show. Yeah, um, I've watched it. Oh, you watched it? Okay, and he yeah. has a a bunch of kind of celebrities on from the UK mm-hmm. and all over the world, and he said, "Okay, here's the 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 start of the episode." And they showed this oh. little minute, minute long clip. So yeah, it, I, I liked okay. seeing that. It was cool. But anyway, we'll talk more about that, you know, coming up after we've actually seen it. So, which will be, you know, the next episode. We'll have seen it by then. I next know. episode of Earl Grey. Yeah. I want to talk about it now. I know. <laughs> Let me see it. <laughs> oh, dear. Like, let's just change the topic. Otherwise, we'll all just cry in a puddle. Um, we have some Babel Conference feedback from Earl Grey episode 307, which was the one on genetically designed people. Justin, can you give us some feedback? Uh, yeah, so Peter A. Kerstetter says, when you asked for an adjective, all I heard in my head was Q referring to Riker as redoubtable. Hashtag words that should still be used. So thank you, Peter. And he is referring to, in our hashtag still listening section, we played Star Trek Mad Libs. Hey, you guys want to do that again uh, yes. later in the show? So listeners, you'll just have to listen past the previously on Trek FM into our closing. We'll 
play a little Star Trek Mad Libs, and I expect you guys to be on the top of your game for the the words that you give. And Joe, you've played this once before, so you can't pretend yeah, you don't know. Pressure's what to do. on. I still, I'm not. I'm still not sure what like a subjunctive composition is or whatever. It I will. Be it, it doesn't get that complicated. Adverb. It still terrifies me a little bit. Yeah, a, a time refracted verbal <laughs> noun, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that caused me pain. <laughs> oh dear. No, um, yeah, thanks, Peter, for that comment. And you'll notice that I did use the word "redoubtable" in my intro. So it's a very good use of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we Amy. have Simon Deluca writes in and says, "I think it would be great if we could genetically design people not to suffer from some things like schizophrenia, alcoholism, etc." But sooner or later would come the morality of this tampering and the question of where the line must be drawn. John Luke would say, the line must be drawn here, this far, no further. Don't mock me, Joe. Oh, Amy, bring it up. Yeah, you know, Simon, that's, you know, I wonder if that's how it starts, where we're, you know, trying to get rid of, like you said, schizophrenia, alcoholism. And then it just continues to progress, and then we are having this debate. Yeah, it's interesting. There's an argument, kind of both ways. Should you, should you get rid or work to get rid of these ailments that people have and that can kill lots of people? So there was an argument recently where they are coming quite close to be able to kind of cure Down syndrome. So we get to a point where there are no Down syndrome people in the world. And one of the arguments against it was that there would be no, there would be a, a ever dwindling population of Down syndrome people. So there'd be less of a community for the people that are already in existence. And I'm like, oh, that never occurred to me before, but that's an interesting point. Yeah, it's a lot of interesting things to think about. And actually, I was kind of curious when Simon brought this up if there's a, uh, some kind of, um, time before in Star Trek that we hear about something like that. And I found that there is. So it's in a Voyager episode called The Fight, which is really not a very good episode. But within it, we find out that apparently Chakotay had a genetic marker for a cognitive disorder that his doctor suppressed the gene before he was even born. So some of that's going on. And there wasn't any indication in the episode like that was illegal. You shouldn't do that, like for what happened to Bashir. So maybe they do have exceptions for that kind of thing. Maybe it's like the rules against uh, en- enhancing people. It's okay mm-hmm. to a point where you're getting rid of like genetic disorders and diseases they might have, um, but if you're trying to enhance their natural abilities, then that's not okay. Possibly. But even then, that's questionable because yeah, well- you know you're going to get to that line where it's like, well, I have the gene, uh, an obesity gene, like. Can we get rid of that? And that's, I mean, you can consider that being a health issue, but also, you know, and then, well, just one step further, I don't want a big nose. I don't want, you know. Possibly designing like a certain group of people and removing the diversity of mm-hmm. the population in some way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, these are very deep questions. <laughs> they would take much longer than that this section, Thank you, but, Simon, for yeah. your comment. And we don't, I suppose. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. I suppose we don't really know the the overall outcome of any genetic modifications. Like, what does changing one D- gene do to the kind of whole organism? Yeah. 
out of, and if that gene ends up being transferred on, how does that mutate and evolve? Is there a wider impact? Well, yeah, and you saw, we talked about that episode on natural selection where they're like, we made these people so much better, but, you know, exposure to them kills you. So, you know, you don't know the unintended consequences sometimes. That's true. Hmm. It's like those little robots, I mean, that you had tagged me in the article about those little robots or oh, um, yeah. microbes that can be designed to um, metabolize plastic in the oceans. It's like, mm-hmm. what happens? They're just going to be in the oceans, munching up all the plastic. What happens when they run out of plastic? What do they, they turn to other stuff and they start to consume other forms of life and then evolve and come on land and consume the humans? Or, or, do, or, do, we, or do we just manufacture plastic for them to keep eating? Oh, it's kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, mm. So, let's get into the, the nuts and bolts of this discussion. We are talking about data's most badass moments in this one. Um, we're going to do it as a wee round table and we'll take shots each. So I thought I'm going to select somebody to go first and I'm going to choose eeny, meeny, miny, moe, catch the baby by the toe. If it squeals, let it go. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Amy, you have to go first. Oh, well <laughs> done, you won. You know, when we decided to, you know, talk about data and his badass moments, I mean, I was thinking about this all week. And for some reason, I had a pretty difficult time coming up with options. And I think in part because data is this machine. And so to assign him this badass, this courage, to assign him this courageous action or something, it was, for me, very difficult. So I'm interested to hear how you guys came about it and what, and your picks. Uh, But the very first one, and I'm just going to get it out of the way. So all the listeners, if you want to just go ahead and fast forward, because you know what I'm going to pick from my favorite Oh, is there someone involved that starts with the letter T? No. No? Okay, go ahead then. <laughs> but it comes from my favorite movie of the next gen, and that is from Nemesis, and uh, where Data saves okay. Picard. Starts with yes, N. Shinzon. And what I think is just so remarkable, remarkable about this action is that he doesn't even ask questions. He just goes in, puts the uh, emergency transponder on him and beams him away. You know, it doesn't even look like he's thinking about it. That is his action. That is his final act to understand humanity. And for me, I don't understand when people say data's death is meaningless. Like that entire act was full of meaning because all seven seasons Okay, minus generations with his emotion chip. I don't like that. But like he's trying to understand humanity and this act of self-sacrifice is the ultimate. And so to me, that is just the top of the top act of badassery. Good pick, Amy. I like that. I also had Nemesis on my list. I get it for that reason. Um, he's save, he makes this kind of nat- very natural decision for himself to save his his mentor and his father figure and his friend and his captain. Um, and it, it's like, oh, that totally makes sense. We'd all do the same. Um, I might not. I might just keep the transponder for myself and to hell with the other person. But 
that's just me. Um, <laughs> but it's but, but it's Jean Luc Picard. You wouldn't say to hell with Picard, right? Uh, do you know what? Could we not do what um, the doctor, the cetacean biologist, did in Star Trek Four and jumped on Kirk while he's been transported away? Do you know what I mean? So as the person's getting beamed out, just jump on them, and you both get beamed out. <laughs> that's what I would have done. Obvious. Um, but I chose Nemesis for another couple of reasons. Um, that his remote piloting of the Argo so that the... Are you going into your pick already? No. No, I'm, I'm, nem- I'm continuing Nemesis. Okay. All right. No, so keep that going, I'm like... Keep going. Amy's mentioned Nemesis, so sacrificing Picard, remote piloting the Argo so the all-terrain vehicle could jump in the back, like off the cliff. That's... Yeah, remote I control. I love that scene off too. Cliff, yeah, in the back of the ship. Um, and there was another one. Oh yeah, flying through space, <gasps> yep. running down the corridor, flying through space like Superman onto the scimitar. That just—that's the most badass yeah, thing I've ever seen. And that. Oh man, really? see, Nemesis is so good. That's the best movie ever. Now, yeah, who knew? Well, I knew, but <sighs> it's cool. Yeah. So, Justin, sure. what do you think about my pick there? No, I love it. It's funny. Like, when I went to think about for data, I mean, we've done like five of these before you and me, Amy, and we've done one or two with you, Joe. But, um, you know, each, each time you think about it and you're like, well, you know, badass isn't necessarily just like coming in guns blazing. It's it's something that is in some way like courageous, tough, or exhibits something that that's very admirable but difficult to do. Um, and, and for data, I've, I found actually it wasn't too difficult for me to come up with some picks, but I did have to think about a lot of different episodes and the movies and Nemesis didn't come up as much because I had a different movie in mind that we'll talk about possibly in a little bit, but I think it's a, it's a great pick. And, you know, of course, talking about this, uh, topic isn't coincidental. We're thinking about data because he's going to appear in Picard in some form dream sequence or something, but, data is on Picard's mind and, and that's like the sequel to what you see in Nemesis right so you can see the after effects of data's sacrifice or what data means to Picard 20 years on so I think it's it's very appropriate and it's a, it's a great pick it's one of the best moments in Nemesis for sure I thought we promised we weren't going to talk about Picard anymore because it's making me think about it well you know there is somebody in that show who is important to the next generation so i do think it's going to come up a bit okay. so uh, we're just not going to do anything that'll spoil anything for amy Fair hopefully point. okay because i think right. she's seen a few trailers <laughs> okay justin your first pick please all right so since we're talking about movies i will talk about my favorite star trek movie which is first contact i mean i think there's a lot of great stuff in the movie, but what I think of always is, you know, toward the end of the movie, uh, Data had been, you know, previously kind of ensnared by by the Borg and kind of courted by the Borg Queen, um, and it it seems like in in this scene where the like the self destruct is on and Picard comes into engineering and you know Data turns it off and it seems like I don't know maybe he's turned a little bit. Um, and the Borg Queen basically asks him to to fire on the warp ship and, 
you know, it seems like data is going through that, like, oh, I've locked the quantum torpedoes and the torpedoes fly and the Borg Queen's all smug about it. Watch your future's end, you know, and then the torpedoes miss and the Borg Queen is kind of uh, surprised. And then data says resistance is futile. And he does say futile instead of futile. But anyway, and and then he he just like crashes his arm into, into the thing that's holding back the coolant and takes the Borg Queen. Anyway, just like this whole thing where he's kind of kept up this, this charade to the point where he's surprised the Borg Queen, but he is really going to, you know, save the day and do it. It almost seems like in a bit of an emotional way that, that he's, he's doing this, like he's kind of like lashing out and all of that. I don't know. There's, there's just something about it that seems very like badass to me, the way that he does it and the way that he keeps his, his intentions kind of hidden. But then also, you know, later on he's talking to Picard and says that he was actually tempted for, you know, less than a second or something like that. So just to to see him kind of go through that process, but, you know, make the decision that he makes, I think is pretty great. What do you guys think? That is a great pick, Justin. And when you were describing, I was like, and it makes it even more powerful on Data's choice because, yeah, like you said, Picard asked him like, you know, I was fooled. What, you know, did you even consider going with the Borg Queen? And he's like, well, 0.68 seconds. And for an Android, that is eternity. Like, I love that line because it shows that he had to make a choice that, yeah, he was tempted. And yeah, it was less than a second, but he makes that choice and it is so brilliant and he has everyone fooled. And definitely, I agree, that is a great badass moment. It's a bit like he's when when the quantum torpedoes miss and he turns around and it's it's almost he's almost human at that point. He's thinking, "Ha, he's gotcha. like, ha, yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> um, so yeah, I had first contact as well, but for another couple of reasons. Um, <laughs> strange, strange thinks There's so many first contacts, just amazing. So and there's so many good data moments or data points. <laughs> So many good data points on it. <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh, that's a graph. That's a graphing <laughs> yes, joke, was. wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> yep. When he jumps off the platform in the missile silo and just now falls down mm-hmm. like three or four stories and then gets shot with a machine gun, it's like, yes! It's like, yeah, it's like he's the Terminator in that moment. <laughs> yeah, like, they'll try to shoot me, but I keep going. <laughs> he's unstoppable. It was quite amazing. So definitely badass um, all throughout First Contact, so... Amazing. And you both picked movies to start with. Um, I don't have... You both picked movies that I picked, so um, I don't have any other movies on my list. So for my first pick, I think I have to choose The Offspring, where where he creates his daughter, Lal. And there's a point at the end where Lal's just died and Admiral Haftel comes out, and it's just really heartbreaking, isn't it? Um, she won't survive much longer. There was nothing anyone could have done. We'd repolarize one pathway, and another would collapse, and then another. His hands were moving faster than I could see, trying to stay ahead of each breakdown. He refused to give up. He was remarkable. It wasn't just meant to be. It just wasn't meant to be. Um, if that's not badass, then nothing else is. Um, that trying to save a member of your family. You know, I think that's the reason why doctors and surgeons aren't allowed to or shouldn't treat their family members because they're too emotionally involved in it. 
Um, so I just imagine how difficult that would have been for Data. I know he didn't have his emotion chip, but I was his daughter that was a newborn, essentially, that he was trying to save. It kind of drove him so, on to do more, I would think. Do you think? Seems like. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so, although in the end he does have to accept it, but he's trying to do everything he possibly can more than than anyone else would, I think, because this is his creation. Well, that's how I interpret it. Oh, in terms, it. okay, in terms of when he's trying to save her. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, I get you, I get you. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's interesting that you choose a moment that it's a description of what Data was doing and not actually him on screen, and I think mm. that's very unique. Yeah. and. Uh, that is, yeah, a heartbreaking and, and to hear, you know, just, he tried everything and it, you know, this failure and this failure and his hands were moving so fast and, and just the description of data's determination is definitely badass. That's a great pick. It's like, he's entirely in the moment and he's got one purpose to try and save Lao and always super speed and his skill and his intelligence and his dexterity just isn't enough to save her. Yeah, it's interesting because that, that one flashed in my mind for a moment, but I was like, oh, what what moment would I pick? And I just kind of went on to the next one, even though it's a fantastic episode, but that is a great pick, yeah, describing what he's doing. Hmm. Okay, who's going to go next? Let me see. X ox, black box, X ox out. Amy, you're out. That means Justin has to go first. What does that two. rhyme? Did you just make that yeah, up? I've never or is heard that, that something... before. It was something from childhood. Okay. Now when you're picking, like, who's going to go first Eeny, meeny, miny, mo? That kind of thing, yeah. Eek socks, <laughs> black box, eek socks out. I have no idea what it means. That sounds futuristic. I'm going to Google it, and it might be really offensive, so... <laughs> I've never Googled <laughs> it before. It's just something from childhood. Okay, um, Ho- hopefully it's innocent. Okay, so my second pick, um, I'm actually going to pick something from the episode We'll Always Have Paris. Now, this one focuses a lot on Picard uh, and his relationship with you know this woman he knew in the past, but there are these kind of time experiments that are going on that are creating like a lot of, of issues, right? And what I always love and always stands out to me is the moment where like data has to go down to whatever the core of of this thing and he has this thing with the antimatter and the i don't know whatever he's holding it with something and he kind of like goes forth and like when he's he's like about to do this thing all of a sudden two other data's appear at different like periods in in time right like one that's just like getting the antimatter the other that's halfway through and 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 he's like, which one of us is it? I don't know. And there's just something where I just think it's so it's so badass that like it just takes him a moment and one of them, not the one that you saw first, but like the one in the middle is like, it's me. I know what to do. And let's just go ahead and do this thing. I don't know. It's like a little small moment, but there, there's just something about about that, like seeing the three datas and him just quickly being able to resolve what's going on to kind of seal this time anomaly and and save the day. Because this thing is affecting things for light years around, I think. There's just something like when I was first watching TNG early on that struck me, I was like, wow, look what data can do. And before then, like he, he trying to get into this area, there's like these these phaser beams that are trying to get him and he's like somersaults around them and stuff. I don't know, there's just something... I mean, we know he's a machine and he has like all of these different abilities, but there's just something in like that group of scenes where I'm just like amazed by data and he just kind of like 
is able to to do these things. I don't know. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. There's not one that would have occurred to me, actually. <laughs> um, but I think this is the thing about data. He's just so amazing um, at what he does. So we could pick probably quite a lot of episodes, but we're limited to nine. Yeah, and I don't know why. It's always made like a really big impression on me. And for a long time, I would only remember that part of the episode and not the part with like Picard and the woman for some reason. Amy shaking her head. What do you think, I'm going to have to go back and watch this episode because I don't even really recall that that? because I'm only remembering Picard. (laughs) And And it actually has the distinction of being the first TNG episode that has any kind of time travel in it because I think... Early in the episode, like Picard is fencing with someone and like they repeat uh-huh. this little time loop. And so I, I've just always loved that aspect of it where it's the first time you're really bringing time travel into TNG and it's kind of an interesting little time travel thing where you repeat a loop right. of time every now and again. And yeah, just go ahead. Like I, I just, I didn't rewatch the whole episode. I rewatched the the scene where there's mm-hmm. like the three datas you could find on YouTube. And I will. Anyway, check it out because I think he's he's just amazing because he's like, who who is it? Oh, it's me. Like, mm. and I don't know what happens where he just like fig- the mm-hmm. one of the three of them figures it out. But yeah. Great. That's my moment. I like it. Interesting pick. <laughs> I, yeah, something I wouldn't have. <laughs> I figured none of you would, right. neither of you would pick it. <laughs> okay. Well, going along with Justin's theme of time travel, I will also follow suit mm. and choose Data's moment in cause and effect. Okay. So at the very end of, you know, each of the cycles, like they're going with Data's suggestion, right? Because Data wants to move the object instead of move the ship. Yeah. Yeah. And Riker is like, well, let's try and move the the ship instead of the object, Um, which I thought was interesting. And I was doing some reading and it was like, well, one's thinking like a pilot and one's thinking like a a physicist anyway so um at finally through the loops and you know we get the three and that's because Riker has his three pips and so what I think is awesome is Data puts it together and was like okay my suggestion doesn't work Riker's will and so we need to do his suggestion and what I think in terms of like Am I that badass of where can I recognize that my idea is not the best and go with, say, a co-worker's idea or a friend's idea, like, you know, and just make that, just accept that and say, all right, let's, let's try your way. You know, if my way isn't working and stop being so stubborn. And so I really like that data is able to just, all right, let's go with Riker's idea because mine is not working. And so I think, like, personally, that is pretty badass to admit and, you know, when you're wrong. Yeah, I agree. And in fact, Amy, that was uh, my honorable mention because I, well, I love Cause and Effect as an episode. It's one of my favorite TNG episodes. But it is really great that, I mean, and maybe partly it is because Data is a machine and doesn't have the same kinds of emotions that he's able to set that aside and be like, well, maybe Riker's idea. Of course, I wonder sometimes, he was kind of looking at it logically. He's like, it seems like there's something that's 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 wrong. And oh, and, and it's in the loop before where he's he's basically tapping out this thing with the threes where he's like, might as well try Riker's idea, you know. 
<laughs> thankfully Riker's idea worked. What if his didn't work? And then like, they don't have any other suggestions, but, but no, it like, he does really set that aside and he's like, I must've been wrong. I need to go with, with Riker's idea. And like, actually at first it doesn't click for him because he still makes that suggestion. But then like you see the wheels turning and with the threes and he looks up at the pips and he's like, uh-huh. Okay. We need to go with Riker's idea. Yeah. There is something that's very like badass about what he does in that moment and the quick decisions to, to save everything and just kind of setting himself aside and thinking, you know what, I'm an amazing Android, but maybe a human is a little better in this situation. And I like the insight that you gave that Riker was thinking as a pilot instead of a physicist, because it is a really different way of thinking about it. Yeah. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, it's one of, again, it's one of my favourite episodes. I love the fact that um, it's like a mini episode that just repeats multiple times, but with little changes. It's, it's like it's like uh, six different short tracks. <laughs> yeah, um, but imagine filming it, so it'd be, or me- memorising the script for it. Yeah. But you're memorising pretty much identical scripts with just little bits of changes. Little changes, so, yeah. Um, really fun. I... I've never, again, I've never thought about it like as a badass data moment. Really? Just that. I think, Amy, what you said about um, being stubborn and not holding on to your kind of wishes and letting somebody else kind of take the reins, I'm the opposite of that. I'm quite happy to, I'm really laid back generally in work. So if somebody has an idea, they will go with that. I'm quite happy for them to do that. So. Interesting pick. I like it. So we'll do my third pick. What do we choose? Third, so third, third in terms of... Well, you keep yeah, slipping okay, some second. side ones in. This is your second pick. You keep slipping pick. things in, but you did say the offspring was your first, so this is your second. I'm not technically speaking. Second. Just give us your pick and we'll decide. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so... Um, it's really my fourth. If my first, oh, and, if my first um, and second were first contact and nemesis, really. So, um, okay. I'm going to pick Redemption Part Two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Purely for one line. So, Commander Hobson on the USS Sutherland says to Data, "Frankly, sir, I don't believe in your ability to command the ship. You're a fellow officer, and I respect that. But no one would suggest that a Klingon would make a good ship's counselor." or that a Berellian could be an engineer. They're just not suited for those positions. By the same token, I don't think an android is a good choice to be captain. And Data replies, I understand your concerns. Request denied. Like, (laughs) shuts him down completely. In response to Hobson's request to be transferred off the ship. Um, Yeah, that's that's badass. That's a great moment. Nope. Bye. Yeah. It's it's it, like, so. okay, I hear what you're saying, but we got this mission. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's very it's very captain-like behavior. I mean, he doesn't have to justify himself. He's just like, no, this is my decision. You're a yeah. subordinate, so it, follow and, it. And he's also recognizing like, okay, this guy has prejudice against androids, but this is a difficult situation and I'm going to need him. So I'll say, I hear you. But I need you in this situation. And there's something just like really great in balancing those things, but also just like shutting down the prejudice, right? Like, because it, because if he said, I understand and you can transfer off or whatever, then he's almost like accepting that it's okay for this guy to say those things. But by saying request denied, he's like, 
that's not okay. Let's focus on the job. So it's just, yeah, it's Well, perfect. and I think that he follows suit with what Picard has done. I mean, there's been a couple of times as you were talking, Joe, where, and sorry to derail this about Picard, but I think Data, you know, really looks up to Picard as such a good captain, but like Worf sometimes, well, I can't do this. And it's like, well, you know, is this because you are unable or is this personal? Well, it's personal. Well, suck it up, buttercup, and get out and do your job. Yes, sir. You know, um, and sort of with Troy, you know, he's had to say, well, I need you here, so let's get this done. Uh, so that is a great moment where Data is just like, yep, I hear you. And that guy is such a jerk. And yeah, a Klingon could be a good therapist, whatever. But um <laughs> I know he's so I like know. prejudiced against them, like everyone. And it's funny because it's it's almost like the view of Star Trek sometimes, like all oh, the yeah. Klingons are warriors. Not well, everyone. that really wouldn't work oh, for a yeah. society. So right? for Data to yeah. do that, and yeah, he listens to him completely. He gets to say everything he wants to say, and then the decision is his, and he makes it. So yeah, that's a great moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic, Joe. Thank you. Thank you so very much. I feel like I've succeeded in my third pick. Excellent. Let us move on the conversation. And See, now I'm, we're on our third pick. I'm See this joke? See how we're I'm, counting? I'm, I'm being difficult. I know. Yes. So, um, who's going to, who went first? Justin went first, then Amy went first, and then Justin's going to go first this time. I've decided. And Justin, could you, could you give me your fifth pick, please? <laughs> My 47th pick. You're going to make my my brain explode. You know how sequential I am. I mean, if you're saying you're, if you're saying you're done, Joe, then you're done. How can it, how is it difficult, Amy? They're whole numbers. Let's go easy. And Star Trek teaches us not everything is linear. So anyway, besides that, you guys want to hear my third pick, right? Oh, please. We're talking about that. Yeah. So this is interesting because before we started recording, listeners, um, (laughs) we were talking about how I think Amy thinks that there isn't something from this episode, but I I hope to convince her that I found something. So my third pick is from The Measure of a Man, which, of course, is an amazing episode, right? Mm -hmm. But I think as you pointed out before recording, Amy, like a lot of it is about Picard defending Data and Data is just there kind of like answering questions and whatever, right? And Riker is, you know, doing all this stuff, doing his best to to uh, because to we did talk about that. that as a Riker badass moment. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But what I've chosen is something that happens after the decision is made. So, so uh, you know, Louvois says it's a ruling of this court. Lieutenant Commander Data has the freedom to choose, and then after that, Data walks over to Maddox and says, "I formally refuse to undergo your procedure." And Maddox says, I will cancel that transfer order. Now, this is the next part that I really like and I think of as badass, and I'll explain why. Data then says, thank you. And Commander, continue your work. When you are ready, I will still be here. I find some of what you propose intriguing. So what I really like about that is, you know, Maddox had originally come and wanted to do this. And, you know, Data was eventually like, well, I don't know, that's kind of risky, but Maddox is trying to force him. So I was like, oh, I'll resign from Starfleet. And of course, they adjudicate this case. It's an amazing episode. But what I really like is that at the end, Data is coming up to him and saying, you know, I formally refuse the procedure. And Maddox accepts that. 
He's saying like, but however, you know, continue your work. I, I really find it very interesting. So what I love about data and what I find like badass in a certain way is that he's not going to have like personal animosity about this. I know he's an Android and he's not really supposed to have, have emotions or whatever, but like there is something within him that says, you know, he was trying to do this, but I'm going to keep open that, that possibility because it's something that I think could be really like beneficial. I don't know, maybe I'm not explaining it right, but I think like it's again, him trying to balance those things. Like you're not going to do this to me, but really like keep going and and let's let's see what what happens he's not giving in to thinking like i can't ever work with this person he's too dangerous does that make sense totally yeah um, i think what you're getting at is that he has risen above this potential slight against him or the attempt at um, let's call it abuse maybe um of his person um and he's done something that's i don't think is necessarily very human I think the human thing to do would be to like, yeah, get out of my sight. You lost. I'll never speak to you again. Um, like I know if it was me, if somebody wanted to take me apart and experiment on me, then and I won the case, I would never see that person again. But data obviously sees the the potential good of it, um, and keeps his avenues open. So no, I totally get that. It's a good pick. All right, you won me over because, yeah, Data (laughs) does not shut him down and, you know, just sort of ignore him the rest of his life. I mean, we see that's who he's writing to in Data's day, right? So, um, yeah, he sees the value and he wants to help, but he's not going to allow that step. Like, you need to go from step A, B, C before you jump to the very end and disassemble Data. Um, I think it's a great pick. It, it almost reminds me of uh, Beverly Crusher and like, oh, who was the one doctor that wanted to uh, perform on ethics, Worf? I know yeah, which one you're and, talking about. And, and Beverly's like, name. you yeah. need to, you know, slow your row because we are not there yet. And you're not going to practice on human life just because you have these theories. You need to do more research. You need to do your due diligence. And it's sort of the same thing that Data is saying here. It's like, yeah, let's let's continue the work, but not disassemble me because you're not there yet. And so that is quite amazing of him to continue and to encourage Maddox, yeah. actually. So uh, I looked it up, Dr. Toby Russell in Ethics. But but Joe, like I think my pick relates to yours as, as well, because in Redemption Part 2, he's saying, on the one hand, I hear what you're saying. On the other hand, request denied mm. because I need you, right? He's not going to like hold yeah. it against this guy that he has those feelings. And in this case, he's not going to hold it against Maddox. He's going to say, like, on the one hand, no, not right now. But on the other hand, like, when you've gone further and I'm convinced you're ready, like, let's come back to this. Sure. I mean, like, but I think also that exhibits, it's not just him being an Android. It's him exhibiting leadership skills that I think he has absorbed from what he's seen in Starfleet and what he's seen from Picard where, where it's, it, it's basically, okay, I have to say no to that, but let's like see where this goes or I need you for, for this kind of thing. And I'm going to, you know, we won't worry about that part because he's thinking about like the overall whole. He's thinking about scientific knowledge, really. And he wants that to be advanced and not suppressed because of this experience. So, okay. Very nice. There you go. Very good. Okay, Amy, your eighth 
peck. <laughs> what is that number? Hand <laughs> me to the nth power oh, pick. I yeah. I imagine I imagine it at the square root of minus one. Negative one. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, why not? Minus one. <laughs> Who says that? Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Science teachers. Right? Mathematical illiterate. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Oh, hold on, Amy. Amy, how do you say the temperature when it's like below freezing? You'd say it's. I think. Go ahead. Amy. Uh. Would you say negative yeah. 10 degrees or minus 10 negative. degrees? Negative 10 degrees. Yeah. Or you would just say 10 degrees below freezing. <laughs> right. Oh, I think we, I think we say minus really? over here. Like if it's on the new, on the weather, we'll say, well, oh, it's minus meteorologists five. Meteorologists talk. Minus yeah, five. Yeah, that's probably wow. where I've got it. But I get it because minus is a, operation. a, an operation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. This hmm. warrants more investigation. Yes, it but does. In your math minute. <laughs> In the meantime, please continue with your pick. Okay, so this pick, um, I wanted to find something that I doubt that either of you would have chosen. Um, and also, I think my... Shades of Grey? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do like that episode, though. I um, know. Data has a part in the first part, anyway. Yeah, so... And I wanted to choose something that, because like when looking at these badass moments, it's like, how can I be a better person? And by looking at these badass moments that we've done each time, I really like that. So what I think is badass in data is that he's always trying to, again, search for his humanity and how can he better himself? And it may be a very small thing, but in theory, he creates a program to learn how to date and the episode in theory, not like in theory data is <laughs> yes, the episode in theory. Okay. And I just think that that is so badass for him to go outside of his normal programming, right? Uh, to go outside of the box and try and capture this, what seems to be such a emotional and human response um, from Jenna and I just love that idea. So that whole idea of him writing a program, executing it, trying his best. I mean, he didn't want it to fail, right? You know, so he's putting his all into it. Um, it's just he's an android, so it wasn't successful. But And he's watched too many sitcoms is the problem. Exactly, too. right. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. So I just like that idea that Data has that he wants to better himself. And to me, uh, and in my life, like, what can I do to expand my horizons? Um, and to me, I just feel that that's badass. Hmm. It's an interesting pick because, like, as I was going through the episodes, you know, in theory is one that has a lot of data. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think that one. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting that you chose it, but it, it kind of fits into the more general Thing about data which is he's an android right he doesn't have to work toward being more human or delving into human experience but it's something he's really interested in this is another aspect of him of it for him to like write a, a dating program it doesn't necessarily go well but i mean he he's constantly trying to like expand the boundaries of his programming and his experience of what he's capable of because he's doing these things that aren't required for his duty or maintenance of, you know, his functions. 
he's painting and you know doing all all this stuff and having like small talk with Jordy to ask about life you know so it 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 kind of fits into that so yeah I like that I really hadn't thought about that because it's definitely a risk that he's taking by doing this yeah. right and like yeah. you said it's it's not mandatory it's not part of his function as first off or sorry <laughs> second officer second officer yeah Joe and that's interesting um it's, I think it's just a, a fact that it's a one hour episode that we're getting so he goes from oh I'm going to go on a first date for the first time and then he ends up moving in something in the space of like 45 minutes so it's like that it's the he doesn't move no. in he, 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 visit, he visits her quarters and, and like cleans up and stuff, but he doesn't move. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. It just feels like the It doesn't in. go that far, Joe. Woo! No, it just feels very time compressed, but I suppose that's uh, it just is compressed. a fact. Of, yeah. Yes. Um, I, I think there's something I don't like about Data in this episode. The bit where he's simulating having the, what is that, a lover's Argument. quarrel or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like um, he's seen a sitcom about lover's quarrels or yeah. something. And I think there's a side of data that we see a couple of times where it's like, oh, scary data. Data would be as an Because he's trying to like force things and it feels very artificial. Well, and yeah, yeah that's him trying yeah. new things. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. Which so, is courageous, yeah, and brave. That is absolutely going outside your comfort zone. It's always difficult. Like I generally don't quite like change. So um, to, do, to do things outside my comfort zone is difficult sometimes. I mean, poor data though, because because he's like, well, tried dating one person, that didn't work. Delete that subroutine, and it's like, if human beings were like that, like a lot of people would get. To, if if after like the first date that I had and it didn't work out, I was like, well, not going to try that again. Like, you know, I never would have met my wife or anything. So it's just interesting his approach. Where it's weird. It's almost like it's it's the thing of the week for him and he's just like well forget that might as well move on to something else it's just really interesting how he treats it and i don't know if that feels quite right for his character i would expect data to be like oh that didn't work let me learn from that and update the subroutine and keep going but yeah i don't know how that would have been if it was throughout the show he was like trying to work on his his dating thing so but i but i really like what you're saying amy that that it, it takes courage and it's difficult to, to do something like this, but he's forging ahead, yeah. Interesting one. I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, right. What's your 500th pick, Joe? Well, I was going to ask Amy to pick a number between 1 and 30. Uh, that would be 22. You're 22. Oh, 22. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that means I'm going to pick this one, which is Clues. Oh, which is is the one where there's a wormhole and they they go through the wormhole and then they don't know why. And there's a planet they see through the wormhole or they don't go through the wormhole or there's a planet and they want to investigate it. He's basically trying to cover up for these aliens that don't want to be Exactly, the xenophobes, yes, and the aliens said they'll destroy the Enterprise if they go back. And Data has to, as under orders on... um, Unbeknownst to the rest of the crew. Under orders from past Picard. I know, I love that. They've had their mind wiped. um, And then all the the sphagnum moss has grown and it's older than it actually should be. Um, So where's all this time going? And Data's there himself trying to kind of cover it up. And he tries so hard, but the crew being what it is, 
and kind of following those breadcrumbs um, always takes him back to the start. So he does a really valiant job. Um, and I think it's kind of a badass attempt, but ultimately unsuccessful. He eventually gets it right. Uh, eventually. And I can't quite remember how he does it. What's he doing? Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of like he's learning from it because, you know, he, he tries and, you know, it fails. But then like, let's g- give us one more time. And then you see everybody unconscious on the floor and waking up. And it's like, oh, what's happened? Oh, this has happened. That's happened. All right, let's mm. put out a hazard warning. Let's keep going. Mm. So eventually he gets it right. But yeah. But yeah, I I agree because he's in a really difficult situation mm-hmm. in that one. He's like it's, it's almost like he's in command of the the situation, and he has to keep all the all the strings together. And if one unravels, the whole thing falls apart. So I know I love it when he's like, you know, Picard's like, I order you to tell me what's going on, and he's like. Well, I can't. Who gave you those orders? You did, you know. (laughs) (laughs) He is in a very difficult situation because he wants to, you know, honor, I guess you would say, the original timeline, right? Honor those people, people in the wormhole thingies. But, you know, but then still, obviously, you know, respect the current Picard and stuff. it's, It's tricky. And it's one of those weird times in Star Trek where someone is giving orders for someone to effectively disobey that same person's future or it's just mm-hmm. it's so interesting. But yeah, I really like that that pick, Joe. I, I, I thought about that one a little bit because it's really interesting what he has to deal with and, and to try to navigate it. And yeah. All right. Okay. What round are we on? We've all done three, so it would be honorable mentions if have we have we all any. done three? We Maybe. have. Yeah. I, yep. I lost count for some reason. Imagine that. <laughs> Who knew? Good thing we have okay. a math teacher here. Uh, okay, <laughs> sure. But you guys call it math, so it's a bit strange. Um, honorable mentions. Yeah. Honorable mentions. So, I'm going to choose the episode Brothers, oh. where... But like Justin said, all guns blazing, Data almost becomes invincible and unstoppable where his homing device has gone off and he conspires to fail the environmental controls on the bridge and the bridge gets evacuated. Then he pretends to go on a turbo lift. But when the other doors close, he steps out and takes command of the bridge. He's there himself. Then he... um, changes it so all the command um, sequences are kind of only on the bridge. So Picard loses control and then he impersonates Picard. Yeah, and then he has to get from the bridge to um, a transporter and he does a thing with the force field and there's a cascade and delay or whatever it is and it's just like, wow. If he was like a, a super soldier kind of thing, he would beam him on a ship and he would just rip it apart. Maybe. Yeah, it makes me think of the hunted with the super soldier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, pretty awesome. I mean, I don't know that he's doing it for good, but yeah, he. he well, flips he, a he in that in, in that situation, it's it's like he almost can't help himself. Like right, there is this fundamental thing in his programming that says he has to go, and that's the only way for him to to do it because maybe he doesn't even know like what's going on but no that's that's a great pick and it just tells you it's one of those moments where you see like if data really had 
like bad intentions, he could do some serious damage to probably the entire Federation or something. So yeah. And what I like about it is like, he's the logistic measures that he takes, like, yeah, the delay and what has to happen first, second, third for him to, you know, gain control and get him where he needs to go is pretty darn awesome. I like the logistics of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like he's playing chess and he's like, 20 moves ahead of the yeah. rest of the crew and he knows exactly anticipates what they might do and he overcomes them and eventually escapes so that's very mm-hmm. cool for sure great pick amy well for my honorable mention i'm going to defer to joe <laughs> because he has yes because he has a full list Oh, okay, you don't have an honorable mention. Um, so, I think you're going to choose Amy. Yes. Amy, I'll whisper it to you. Okay. okay. The Ensigns of Command. The Ensigns of Command is my honorable mention. This is a great episode. Why am I choosing it, Joe? When, when he destroys the aqueduct on the colony, when they refuse to leave when the Sheliak are en route. Oh, this is a great episode when Data wants and destroys the colony because they are refusing to leave. Like he, well, he destroys the aqueduct. He doesn't destroy the colony. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. I meant the physical <laughs> place, not the people. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> like what a show of leadership and just showing like these are things, your life is more valuable than things. Like that is a great badass moment. Joe, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, you've kind of covered it in depth. Um, I think that's an amazing pick, Amy. Um, he He's exhausted all the possibilities. These people are just so entrenched and that's their home and they will not leave. So it's a, a, a last ditch attempt to force their hand because he knows, um, they don't know, but he knows that they will be destroyed when the Sheliak arrive. So, yeah. Uh, Justin, Justin did you like my honorable mention? I love it. It's a great one. It is one that was that I thought about with with him finally saying, "All right, guys, let me give you a taste of of what would happen with the Sheliak." So that convinces them. Yeah, but where logical wonder, arguments wouldn't. I wonder why it's called the Ensigns of Command. Is that referring to Data? Because he's in command of the Night Shift like all the time. But he's not an ensign. I know. But it's like his beginning. So like when you're starting, you know, you're starting as an ensign. So it's like the beginning of his command of, you know, being yeah, actual. Yeah, I, I get you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I was going to look it up because there must be some reason why it's called that, right? I think uh, the ensigns of a command is a phrase, isn't it? Is it? Oh, here we go. You, you ready for I'm for ready, this? please. Okay. Okay, Memory Alpha says the title of this episode is from the poem The Wants of Man by John Quincy Adams, who was mm-hmm. a president of the United States. Um, in the context of this poem, the term ensign means a flag or symbol, not the Starfleet rank. And in the uh, poem, it says, I want the seals of power and place, the ensigns of command, charged by the people's unbought grace to rule my native land. Nor crown nor scepter would I ask, but from my country's will, by day, by night, to ply the task, her cup of bliss to fill. Okay. <laughs> That's I feel like I'm from. ready for a U.S. citizenship test now. So, <laughs> yeah, some passport. more high culture in TNG. 
indeed. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very interesting. Justin, go with your honorable mention. Well, you know what? I don't have any, and I know you want me to say what? that um, that you will just whisper one to me, but I don't think that's necessary. Because if you have a third one, Joe, go ahead. I do. I think I'm. I'm all You're good. Out, okay. Really. Yeah. I mean, we're up toward an hour anyway, so I think we're pretty good. Lots yeah. of great picks. Yeah. Cool. So, guys, can we have some final thoughts about this amazing discussion on data's badass moments? Amy, please. So it has been interesting to listen to your picks because, like I said, it was a little difficult to come up with some, I guess, examples. Um, but I like that we've chosen. I like that we are seeing data in sort of all of his glory um, from trying new things to, you know, his amazing logistical analysis and for, you know, him trying his perseverance and being described by others like we get a wonderful picture of who Data is and really how badass he is, even though he is this android. Uh, it's really awesome. I, and I'm glad that we had this discussion because I just, it was so difficult, but you guys came up with some great picks that made me appreciate it even more. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I always love these badass moments ones because we can take a look at a character through in a different light. And I think it is really great because actually for Data, it's kind of a mix of him doing those kinds of things that are that are what you might typically think of badass, like a little bit more aggressive, like with him like punching into the coolant tank and in first contact or destroying an aqueduct or whatever. But within all of those things, it shows data's drive to better himself to understand humanity um and to you know kind of work for for the the best in the federation probably with the exception of the one for brothers where he's just like acting on some instinct that he doesn't know what he's doing but um but yeah i mean data really has some unique capabilities and when they're used for good he can do such amazing things and um and yeah, I mean, in whatever way that it happens in the Picard series, I'm excited to see Brent Spiner again and see, you know, what else he brings to to data. So it's just exciting to think about this in the run up to that to that show and to really have some appreciation for for data, who is my favorite character in TNG. So I, I love doing this. I agree with that. He's my favorite character. Also, I, I don't know why I identified with him when I was younger. Um I think it was the science kind of geek. Him and Jordy were my go-to characters. Uh, yeah, with these badass moments, badass always has a bit of a negative connotation, but they're never negatives we pick up on, um, which just means badass has a different definition from what I think it has. I think it can have a positive connotation yeah, for, yeah. for some things, yeah. It's what you do with that badass action that has, has the positive outcome. Um, and there's just so much of good data in his journey to humanity um, that we see. And you guys have given me, again, a bunch of episodes I have to go and rewatch because um, I've learned something new again. So. Justin has a preview of next week's episode. Uh, yeah, so next week we are going to talk about the episode The Most Toys, which is uh, season three, episode 22. It's just something that had come up in some discussions a while back, and I thought it'd be interesting to to revisit that. So, And it's also a nice data episode. So go ahead and rewatch that episode, and we will talk about it. That's the one with Kivas Fajo, who kind of 
captures him, right? And uh, all the stuff that ensues there. So I think that'll be fun. And Data is very badass in the most toys. And we didn't mention it. Yes, that's yeah. true. So mm. it's kind of a continuation yeah. of that, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, it's been so much fun talking about badass data moments, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here is what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, The Ready Room. Did I ever tell you the story about how Channel Channel 4 in Oklahoma City played Next Generation at 10.30 because that's when they had played yeah. the original series reruns the last time they had a shot at it. Yeah. And you think that's insane, but their thinking was, are you kidding? Do you know what kind of ratings we get with Star Trek at 10.30 on Sunday night after the local news? We'd never get those kind of ratings with anything else. And I'm like, but you would get even bigger ratings if you put it at a normal time. <laughs> and so they finally, going into fourth season... They had a big clinic. Okay, fine, fine, fine. But best of both worlds, part two of all <laughs> the times to change the airtime and then not tell. They didn't promote it. To the journey. Another interesting statistic on this while we're talking about it is that past a certain point in human history, I forget the exact number, but I, I read an article on it, but past a certain point, Anyone who is alive at that point is statistically likely to be an ancestor of everyone alive today. Well, that just sort of broke my brain. Can you? <laughs> I know. It's weird to think about that. <laughs> if you go far back in time enough in human history, at a certain, it's like a crossover point almost, yeah, where yeah. anyone alive at that point, prior to that point, is likely to be an ancestor of every living human today. Gosh. That's an amazing stat. Statistically. Yeah. That's yeah. an amazing stat. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. You're not going to get in Discovery, or at least I hope they don't, things like references to Grand Lagos Ron. That, that's nothing in comparison, do you know? Like, oh, I, I can do you one better, Grand Lagos Brunt. Oh, Brunt. C-A. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Combs, I love uh, you. <laughs> can we please have Jeffrey Combs in Discovery? Earl Grey. How are we bettering ourselves? And the way that it seems to be is through high culture. Well, I think it also ties into this kind of utopianism of Next Gen. I mean, Next Gen is the most, I mean, people say Star Trek is utopian, and I would broadly agree with that. But Next Gen is absolutely the most utopian. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop Apple Podcasts app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review that helps others to find the show. All right, guys, you ready for a bonus? Another Mad Libs? All ready? right. Can I, can I ask a very brief bonus question of you, please, both? Okay. Okay. I was doing my grocery shopping in the supermarket earlier. I got that Americanism, didn't I? Yes. I would never call it, call it groceries. Um, I would call it messages, just FYI. Messages? I don't know. It's a Scottish thing. Okay. okay. Like, right. Can you go, could you, maybe it's like running errands. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Being, uh-huh. I'm going to get the messages. Well, anyway, okay, I know where so, you are. <laughs> yes. Um, what is your favorite cheese? Oh, 
That's well, I can answer very. I can no. answer very quickly. I don't eat cheese. So oh, yeah, I knew you were going to right. say that, Justin. I said, Justin won't eat cheese. Yeah. I, I knew this. I oh, okay. That's fine. I Amy? like all cheeses. Oh, my gosh. Um, I just, oh. A go-to is Havarti, Gouda. Uh, oh, there's just so many. Uh, the Brie. Uh, oh, Brie. Oh. Yeah. Mm, What's okay, yours? Uh, I th- really like um, grilled cheese sandwiches, but made with Taleggio. It's I like an Italian soft cheese. Like it's mm. like a, I think it's like a brie, but it's got a, a like the rind of a blue cheese on it. Oh, so it's really kind of it's got a really blue cheese pungency to it. See, I really like nice. yeah, and Roquefort yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, nice. We have to go back if we come back to Vegas this year, which is looking dwindingly unlikely. Um, then we have to go to that um, the cellar, the wine cellar. Yes, at the Rio. Yes, and get wine that and cheese. Was really again. good. Yeah. Now, now you're worrying the listeners. Dwindlingly unlikely. No, yeah. it's not. You're coming. It's so expensive. I check. I've set up price alerts on Skyscanner, um, and it, it usually gets more expensive. And I'm like, oh, I've just bought a, like a. Well. We'll, a we'll seventy thousand dollar car. Happens. I can't afford to eat. Never <laughs> mind flight to Vegas. Oh boy. Anyway, right. Mad Libs, Mad Libs, Mad Libs. Cars and yeah. All right. So, Amy, okay. a verb. Okay. Let me hold on. Let me. Okay. I get the brain going. What, Star I'm Trek. What Got a it. verb is? What is a verb? <laughs> Come on, Joe. Anyway, I Amy, know. a verb. Yes. Oh, a verb. Is yes. that what you said? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Three times now. <laughs> uh, transport. Transport. Okay. Okay. That's a verb. Yeah. I agree. Joe, a verb ending in ing. I also want to say transporting. No. <laughs> but I shan't. Come on. Um, um, reconfiguring. Okay. You guys are having some technical words. Um, okay. That's Have fun work. with it, guys. You challenged okay. us. <laughs> okay, no, okay. we thought we'd go Star Trek. All right, yeah. all right. Plural noun. Amy? Okay, okay, okay. okay. Oh, that's sorry. Okay. Uh, phasers. Let's see a theme here. All right, number? <laughs> 47. Yes, perfect. Okay. Amy, a noun? Um, the enterprise. Oh, d- is that... A d- that's- that doesn't really work. Okay, okay yeah, sorry. It, that's when you ask for proper noun, right? Okay. Um, computer. 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 Okay. Joe, an adjective? That's a describing word. Mm. Describes a word to describe noun. another word. Okay. Um, I can't think of any adjectives now. <laughs> I know. It's so Give hard. me an example of an adjective. Actually, my brain's frozen. Like I don't know. Wet. Um, smelly. <laughs> hard, soft. Uh, I mean, it just describes a thing. I know. I know. You, and now I can't you think. always start with, you know, the enigmatic Justin or the amazing uh-huh. Amy. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, the... Um, fiery. Oh, nice. Okay, fiery. That's a good one. So, Amy, this one's a little different. Type of liquid. Romulan L. 
it's it's kind of funny that you said that. Um, <laughs> uh, Joe, a verb. Oh, I said doing word. Yes. Um, what are you doing? Um, what am I doing? Um, a verb. <laughs> Running. Warping. Well, warping. Say, no, no. Warping. That's just warping. Warp. Well, it's not yeah. with ing, so I'll just put warp. Warp. Okay. That's fine. And it says same verb, so I'm putting the same one in. Uh, Amy, a noun. Uniform. Okay, Joe, an article of clothing. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Um, an article of clothing. Um, Starfleet socks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Special Starfleet socks. I have a delta on them, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. uh, Amy, a color. Blue. Okay, Joe, an adjective. Another adjective. Oh, yeah, there's lots of adjectives. Some there are um, bright. Okay. Good. Amy, an adjective. Oh, um, gloomy. <gasps> bright and gloomy. <laughs> okay, Joe, a plural noun. Plural what? What on earth is a plural noun? It's just a group of just nouns. Just give me a noun out. and I'll add an S, okay? Okay, um, a noun. A See, noun. like I say math and you say maths. <laughs> well, those are actually both possibly singular. Anyway, whatever. I know, I was just being funny. Um, isolinear chip. Oh, chips. isolinear chips. I'll add an oh, S chips, there. Plural, plural noun, sorry. Fine. That's fine. I'm rubbish at this game. <laughs> We needed like an English teacher on this. Anyway, uh, Amy, a celebrity. Hmm. And not Joe. <laughs> not yourself. Not your famous podcaster. Yeah. Um, a celebrity. We are going to go in theme of today. We will say Brent Spiner. Mm. Oh, okay. Qualifies. This is and a real long round, isn't it? This is this much one, longer the, than the last. These are longer than the last one, but we're okay. almost there. So, okay. Joe, a plural noun. Plural noun. Ramistats. <laughs> what in the heck is that? That's from when Riker's giving all the techno babble about the computer to the Ferengi and uh, Rascals, right? I think so, yeah. I, yeah I think. Wow. Whatever. I made a bunch of techno babble. Deep cut. All right. <laughs> one of Joe's favorites. Okay, guys. Mm. Welcome to Starfleet Academy. Ooh. Okay. Before you set your phasers to transport, you've got a lot to do before reconfiguring Starfleet Academy. First of all, you'll have to leave your old phasers behind. If you're going to spend 47 years in space, you need to start with a clean computer. You're laughing at 47 years in space? Okay. That's a long time. I mean, Picard's been in space probably that long, but... Mm. Uh, <laughs> second, get ready to work. It's not all exotic, fiery aliens and Romulan ale. <laughs> <laughs> You need to warp and to warp hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I would do it. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, you'll be divided into groups and given a uniform. That determines the color Starfleet socks you'll have to wear. Pray you don't get a blue one or you're as good as bright. Oh, it's, it's a shame it wasn't red and dead. Oh, well. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but life at Starfleet Academy is not gloomy all the time. Hmm. You'll meet all kinds of new isolinear chips. And remember... Hotshots such as James T. Kirk and Brent Spiner have passed through these Ramistats. You could be next. Welcome to Starfleet Academy. Oh, that, that was, was cute. Good, oh, that was fun. Yeah. Wasn't it? I like that. Best part was warp and warp hard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always got to be the name hard. of this episode. 
<laughs> Possibly. So, Justin, you should like send me a screenshot so that you can get to play along. I was thinking about that. Okay. Yeah. So that I can shake things up and give you some crazy stuff. Yes. But yeah, maybe I'll do that for next okay, time. Okay, good. All right. So if you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, and most third-party apps. And you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter and Instagram at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So Justin, where can people contact you when you're not thinking about joining the Borg Queen? Thinking Less about joining the Borg second. Queen, that is, that is, no, I wouldn't even consider it. Data is crazy. <laughs> but uh, when I'm not doing that, uh, you can find me elsewhere on the network co-hosting The Line. That's our show about Star Trek Picard. Have a great time with my friends Chrissy DeClercq-Salagi and Brandon Shamatala talking about Star Trek Picard. And we're going to talk about every episode as it comes out, which is oh, so exciting. By the time you listen to this, we'll probably have our first one out about the first episode. So... You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So, Joe, where can people contact you when you're not driving around like a movie star in your Tesla? Well. Which we I, have- I realize you made a, a reference to, but our listeners may not have heard about that because we talked about it before we were recording. So, Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I bought a Tesla this week, um, although... You have to wait a while, so I'll get mine uh, delivered in March or April time. Oh I my you're gosh, say on really? April 2063. <laughs> well, yeah, they, they build them to order in oh. the factory yeah. in, um, was it Fremont, California? And then they put yeah. them on a freight, freight train across to the eastern seaboard, then they put them on a ship across to oh, wow. Europe, and then they distribute them from there. So, ages to wait. I know. So I have to continue to pull out the planet until then. But when I'm not doing that in March or April, you can find me on the Babel Conference, or you can tweet me on Twitter at joyjoe77uk, or you can email me, and my email inbox has been empty for quite some time now. So you can get me there, joepodcasts at gmail.com. Listeners, if you've listened this far, drop Joe an email. His Please. inbox is lonely. joepodcasts at gmail.com. Yeah. Please. And Amy, where can people contact you when you're not reconfiguring the warp field parameters, analyzing the collected works of Charles Dickens, calculating calculating the maximum pressure to safely apply to someone's lips, and considering a new food supplement for spot? (laughs) I love that. Well, I'm glad I was in there a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I'm not doing all of those things, you can find me over on United Federation of Podcasts starting a new show, All Good Things, and that's talking about all of Star Trek uh, with my good friend Patrick Devlin. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, 
and you can find me right there in the Babel Conference. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Trebizio, Jim McMahon, Joe Keegan, and Justin Ozer. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Kids, don't forget to warp and warp hard. Great joy and gratitude. Stop it. Stop. 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 Is that from Descent? Yes. Yes. When nice. you, didn't even, the board. you didn't even pick that one. <laughs> I know I had to leave it until the end. Oh. See, when you asked me for another honorable mention, I was like, I can't mention it because that's my wee closing thing. Because I've been organized and chose a closing. <sighs> Fantastic. Fantastic.